Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello and welcome to VergeCast, the flagship podcast of a scandal that's taking over the pole dancing, not the pole dancing community, the flagship <laughs> podcast yeah. of Ed Sheeran tearing the line dancing community apart. What? This is uh, this is just random TikTok knowledge I have now. Oh, have you entered Shiver TikTok? Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Wow. It's, it's just, it just follows me around the internet now <laughs> as people line dancing to Shivers by Ed Sheeran. And then the comments are like, this isn't real line dancing like doing the electric slide and the little dosi do the, the line dancing situation it's the next big trend it's coming to a honky tonk near but you shivers by ed sheeran is david appears to know oh yeah i've been i've been deep in in shiver dancing tiktok for a long time as we call it and it's deeply controversial because it's ed sheeran because it's ed sheeran <laughs> that's not what i want to listen to there I'm are entire line people dancing. who have built careers off of line dancing to shivers by ed sheeran no. And the commenters are like, this isn't country music. And their response to the commenters are, I post other songs, only Shivers gets views. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's this very good. good. No. It's a, it's, it is easily my favorite low stakes internet drama. Is why? Like, you know how there's a theory that like the Chinese government is manipulating TikTok to destabilize America? That's how they're doing it. The algorithm is like, you will dance to shivers. That's where we get our civil war. <laughs> it's very good. Hello, I'm your friend Eli. Alex Trans is here in the studio with me. I'm just really upset today. It's all good. We're gonna play shivers later. David Pierce is here. Hi. My theory about the shiver thing is that this is this generation's Cotton Eye Joe in that. It's a song and a dance that don't make any sense in context and no one should ever do that involves like leg kicking. That doesn't <laughs> you gotta really slap work, the leg. But it has taken over the universe. This is, it's Cotton Eye Joe 2.0. And it's I, everywhere. never mind. I love this trend now with like yeah, that oh, read. No, it's all good. Beautiful. There's no downside. <laughs> I'm expecting a 10,000 word Shivers feature. <laughs> How Shivers is tearing country music apart. David and I are Co- on it. The country music has gone through a, quite a lot right now. I'm saying Shivers is the C plot. <laughs> It is because there's like there's the guy who's like the alternative music version yeah. of country, and he's taking on bro country. We have so much to get through in the show. Oh my we're god, here at Shivers. Okay, there's a lot <laughs> on the show today. A lot. Amazon had a big event. They announced not as much stuff as they usually announce at their events, but a bunch of stuff. Big push in general of AI. Microsoft had an event. YouTube had an event. Microsoft had massive product leaks, which were vastly more interesting than their event. Yes. yes. There's other stuff going on. There's the Google antitrust case. 
just in the background of all of this, which has its own controversy embedded in it. And the next week is the code conference. So just quite a lot going on in virtual. Like September is here. Yeah. We're no longer getting ready for September. Mm -hmm. There's enough going on in virtual this week that the Wednesday show is all about the iPhone reviews because we need to just clear the decks for today's show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let me give you the quick update on the Google trial. And it will be quick because it is deeply frustrating. No one knows what's going on in the Google trial. <laughs> Including both sides? No, I think they might have an idea. So most federal court cases are locked down. This is true. If you look back over the past year or so, more and more of them are starting to open up, right? They're allowing documents to be posted. There's some cases audio is being streamed. Certainly reporters are in the courtroom. Just look at the Microsoft case which has resulted in this giant leak, which we'll get to. But you know what happened in FTC versus Microsoft. We were able to cover it for you. You know what happened in Epic versus Apple. We were able to just cover it for you. Do you know what's happening in Google versus the DOJ? Or the DOJ versus Google? You don't. Because reporters in the courtroom are not allowed to have devices, which means they have to take notes by hand. And Google, the judge, the DOJ are in some extremely annoying fight about public access to documents. So Google published a bunch of documents on its website about its opening arguments, et cetera, et cetera. The DOJ tried to do that. Google got mad at them. All those documents have now come down off the DOJ's website, and there is some sort of argument happening amongst the two parties and the judge about whether the documents will come back. In particular, one document, which we don't know what it is, which is, quote, embarrassing to Google. I want that one. That's the one I want. <laughs> Uh, one of Google's financial executives was testifying. That was closed to reporters. So reporters taking notes by longhand weren't even allowed in the room. We believe that well, as you're hearing this on Friday, that Apple executives will be in the courtroom. But no one has posted a schedule, so we don't know. It's just bonkers. Yeah, and even the like semi-haphazard ways that information was being shared have all sort of disappeared. In part, I think, because of these behind-the-scenes machinations going on, but also because Judge Meta seemed to get so angry at these documents going up that now everything is going to get even more locked down for the foreseeable future. Like we're what we're what two weeks into a ten week trial, and other than those first couple of days, we basically don't know anything. Somebody sent me a picture of a, a like old school typewriter and was like, "Take this to the courtroom; <laughs> they can't stop you. It's not an electronic." And I think that's the coolest flex of all time. But it is very weird. Yeah, uh, I get why Google in particular would very much like for it to be this way because it's not interested in losing this fight in the court of public opinion. I don't know for sure that they're the ones driving this, but I can certainly see why they would. But it's very strange that this is where we've landed in this process. Addy Robertson is covering the case very closely, as closely as we can, uh, who's been in the courtroom for us. I'm like, we should write this story. That's like, Google's trying to hide. And she's like, that's not what's happening. It's the judge. Right. Right, her opinion of this is it's the judge is like, I'm going to be in control of this. And I get it. And you could make a case from sort of an outcome basis that not making the trial into the circus will allow the court to reach a good and fair outcome. And then we can like check their work in the end because all of it's public. But there's also the fact that like one of the biggest companies in America is facing antitrust charges that may or may not result in it being broken up or the structure of its deals with Apple. And we just don't know. Like, we do not know what's yeah. going on in that trial right now. I think that's absurd. But that is the state of the Google trial. That's the update, which is it's Schrodinger's trial. 
(laughs) (laughs) Is there an antitrust trial in that box? Who knows? Probably. Is Google Live? Who knows? So that's that. The other update I want to give everybody is the Code Conference is next week. I'm hosting it with uh, Casey Newton and Julia Borson from CNBC. It's going to be great. I've been speaking to some of the people to prepare who are going to appear on stage. So I'm very excited about Getty's going to show off. Uh, I'm very excited about what Microsoft's going to show off. Uh, Adobe has some stuff they've told us they're going to show off. I think it's all going to be really fun. Um, Here's the news, though. The UAW is on strike against three major American automakers. And Mary Barra, CEO of GM, dropped out today. She doesn't doesn't want to give any fodder to the negotiations, which I sort of understand. She took with her – like it's sort of – I just want to be clear – I I can intellectually understand why she – I do not understand why she doesn't want to just say what she needs to say, but whatever. She took with her Mike Abbott, their new executive vice president of software, who is going to – because why does GM want to be at the code conference? Yeah. Talk about EVs, talk about the fact that they drop CarPlay. And so I I have said to our team, the only moment that matters at code is me asking Mary (laughs) Barra why she took CarPlay out of the Escalade. Yep. We were like prepared for it. And now I cannot deliver that moment to you. Did you have like four versions of the question for her? Oh, yeah. You can't evade. You can't dodge it. <laughs> I think it sucks, but the people love it, right? What are you going to do? It shivers. It... I brought an Escalade out <laughs> on stage. Here it is. Explain. Uh, that's true. Uh, we have the CEO of Monarch Tractor, by the way, an EV tractor. And I was like, will you drive the tractor on stage? And he goes, it's very heavy. <laughs> that was the end of that conversation. Uh, it's going to be cool. The Polestar 3 is going to be a code, which I think is going to be really cool. Uh, well, you'll see some of that. It's, it, that is basically just released. I'm just excited about a bunch of stuff that's happening at Code, but Mary Bear is leaving. That said, and we'll not reveal it at this moment, we are 99% sure that another CEO of an EV company will be there. Mm-hmm. Like a good one. Okay. I was like, Elon? No. No. It's, well, like, it's funny how you can interpret like a good one in many ways. Yeah. But a good one. Okay. Like one that you want to hear from. Okay. And then I got another idea that I'm working on, which I think will be cool. So. That's the code update. It's September 26th and 27th. We will have, like, wall-to-wall coverage on The Verge. I'll be there with Casey and Julia. You can buy – you go to voxmedia.com slash code. You can buy virtual tickets now. They're 75 bucks if you want to, like, follow along. Otherwise, tons of coverage on the site. We, you know, pay attention to code. It's the thing I'm doing. Okay. Let's talk about the news. Uh, should we start with Amazon? Yeah, there was an Amazon event. David and I went. We you hung went. out. Yeah. I took the train down. That was the worst decision of my life. <laughs> that was horrible. I took two trains down. So there's like a lot of drama with these Amazon and Microsoft events. Yeah. Like meta drama. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. It's it's my favorite part of this. Like I think that was the big conversation of the week. Because the, the gadgets and, and there was a lot of cool gadgets and the gadgets are neat. And we're going to talk about the gadgets. But the big thing was Panos Panay is he runs all the devices and Windows at Microsoft. Or he did because this week – Sudden announcement, he's leaving, which is wild because there's a Microsoft event this week. Yeah. David Limp left Amazon a couple of months ago, and Bloomberg reports Panos Panay is going to be taking over his job, David Limp's job, at Amazon. So then the Amazon event happened on Wednesday. Microsoft event happens on Thursday. And meanwhile, we've got these two guys who have been running these departments, running these events, deciding what's going to be on stage, figuring out how these things work and operate – are both like a huge mix-up, huge change-up. Yeah. And it's just like you're I wish there was I wish it was a true swap. Yeah. That's really what what it's like it would be perfect if if Limp was going to Microsoft and Panos is going to this. But Limp is just out. Yeah. Limp's done. He's he seems very happy. He seems chill to be to be moving on with his So life. I, I I like Dave Limp a lot. Yeah. We, we we've talked to him a bunch. He's been on decoder. He's a very smart guy. He he has always said the right things to us. 
I would say, looking at his tenure over Amazon devices, not a lot of heat there. Oh, that's not His fair. strategy was interesting. What do you mean? Because the strategy was about, we're going to see what sticks. We want to, like... We're new in this department. Wait, I want to hear why David says it's not fair. The Echo has been a gigantic success. The Kindle has been a gigantic success. Wait, the Kindle has been a gigantic success. The Echo is not a gigantic success, and Alexa is not a gigantic. It does not make any money. Fair, sure. That's a, <laughs> Those are two different questions. And you would not even say it's that people are passionate success. about these products. Oh, Dave Limp would say that. Dave Limp said that to me, to my face, after the Amazon event, that people love... Their echoes. I mean, one of the questions I asked him, they had this whole run about generative AI and wanting their AIs to seem like human, right? Like that's their big mm-hmm. thing. They wanted to say ums and ahs yes. and feel like a member of your family. And I feel like if we've learned one thing about AI over the last 12 months, it's that that's a bad, dangerous, problematic idea. So I asked him that. I was like, why shouldn't this thing just be a tool that I use when I need it? Why should it be my friend? That seems scary. Uh, and he was like, that's how people do it. They say they love you to their echo and and we're going to keep leaning into that. Like there is real affinity for that stuff. Most people just like play timers and ask silly questions, but like that's, that thing is real. Amazon's problem is that it's not a hardware company, right? Like their whole thing has always been, we don't make money when you buy our product. We make money when you use our product, right? So like they don't make money on the Kindle. They make money when you buy books on the Kindle. The problem is they never found a way for you to buy anything yeah. through the echo. But this is just what I mean. I, it, we're agreeing more than disagreeing. When I say there's not a lot of heat on these products, the Kindle is its own thing. It's its own weird closed ecosystem. They put out new Kindles every couple Monstrously of years. Monstrously successful. And people just buy new ones. Yeah. Yeah. And fine. And it is a cultural product in its way. Although I think the the sort of cultural impact of print books continues and grows mm-hmm. in its own way, which I think is fascinating. The Echo, people set timers with, and it's really useful. And little kids ask it to tell it jokes, and you can dress an Echo Dot up like a Mickey Mouse, and like all that stuff. But it has just been that for the longest time. And maybe some of this generative AI stuff will change that, but they haven't grown it into a business. They haven't figured out how to get people to do anything other than set timers and play music, at, like at all. The smart home stuff has kind of petered out, and we're all waiting for Matter to do whatever, and yep. they've made some of those announcements. And then the hardware itself is, like, somewhat stagnated. Oh, yeah. Not even somewhat. It is fully stagnated. Even the new stuff they're launching is just, like, big, plushy screens, just like the other big, plushy screens. Like With thread routers. Yeah, and sure. Well, sure. Yeah, Zigbee. So, uh, uh, they've updated the stuff. And, again, I like Dave, and I think he has the right ideas. When you talk to him about smart home stuff in particular, he's, like, all in on the good standards and yeah. making sure the stuff works right. Like, He's, he says all the right things, and he's honest, which is, like, the highest compliment I yeah. can give. Uh, but I think that the fire – that's a good pun for Amazon devices. It just seems like they hit a dead end, and they didn't know what to do next. And I think you bring in Panos Pene, yeah. who's all fire all the time, and he's going to go and, like, try some stuff and be bold about it, which I think is great. I think his tenure at Surface in particular has been underappreciated. Oh, I agree. Like, he completely rebooted the idea of Windows laptops from his position at Microsoft. And we've talked about it a bunch on the show, but basically he walked into Best Buy and said, why are every Windows laptop here? Why is it under $1,000? And we have just ceded the high end to to Apple. Yeah. And then they invented a bunch of stuff. And importantly, I think this is totally undercovered, they gave that technology away to the Windows OEMs. Yep. So I've walked around CES with Panos, and he's like, those are my hinges. 
and pointing at laptops. We're like, those are my hinges. Those are my key. Like, here's all the stuff we made that we just gave away. He pulled off the thing Google has been trying to do with Pixel for years, which is like teach the ecosystem how to make better stuff. Yeah. Like he he did that to the Windows ecosystem. Yeah. Like if you have a Windows laptop, it is better because of Panos Panay. Like it just it just is. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Can I tell you my most galaxy brained take about all of this? I've been talking to people and asking around, and I have no actual evidence for this, but I'm increasingly convinced that I'm right. Do you want to hear my theory? Yes. My theory is that Panos Panay wants nothing more than to make a next generation smartphone. He has been toying with this with the Surface Duo. He's been goofing around with this idea with a bunch of different Windows things over the years. He has like tried desperately to figure out what is the smartphone-y thing that comes right after candy bar smartphones. Microsoft, I don't think, has any interest in making smartphones no. anymore. That's, or even supporting the one that it made. Yeah, it's yeah. over that. You know who <laughs> desperately, desperately would love a reason to get back into the smartphone game is Amazon. Because the reason Alexa can't win is because it's not on your phone in a meaningful, device-integrated, super useful way. It is the single most important device you have, and it is the worst Alexa device. And if you gave Jeff Bezos and Andy Jassy like, all the money in the world, they would go back and make the Fire Phone better because it would have changed Amazon forever. And I think somebody came up to Panos and said, we are going to let you build the foldable phone of your dreams, and it's we're going to kick ass with it. And that's why he's going to Amazon. This is your theory. This is my theory. I mean, it's a good theory. I, I, I like it. I know it. for sure the phone thing at Amazon is right. I, I am 100% sure that Amazon believes very strongly that if it wants to win, it should figure out how to make phones and that that is a way to do this. We saw them set the table for that at the Amazon event because the Amazon event was about the the show eight, which seems really nice. I wasn't enthusiastic about it until I spent an hour with Jen. And now I'm like, yeah, that's cool as hell. <laughs> Jen's good like that. <laughs> like, She's very good at like that. And, you know, there was that and there was the hub and and all of that. But most of that event was on Alexa and on how Alexa is different than than Siri and Google yeah. Assistant and better. And I don't know if that's true because we didn't get to actually play around with it a lot because all of the, the demos were had massive guardrails. Really? Yeah. Like I, I was like, I want to go break that. That's the how you know the generative AI that. is like about to say some crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we won't actually, because it'll be like, you want to bang? Yeah. <laughs> I want to define some, we I want to, I was like, how can I make What if we set a timer movies? for five minutes to get it on, you know? <laughs> Just playing the music. <laughs> what about you and me seven minutes for night? <laughs> I have to stop it. I just hear the guitar. I'm just saying, look, if you're listening and you're at Amazon, you're on the Alexa team. Make it horny. Horny Bing rebooted Microsoft on the front page of the New York Times. Just send one Alexa to Kevin Roos. It could happen to you. <laughs> but not one of the kid Alexas. No. Uh, wait, so wait, why, why did Jen get you so excited? <laughs> I think her enthusiasm for it as a hub, because that poor woman is on a quest to find something that will actually work as a hub, where you don't have to say, yeah, this will work, but... Because that's with all smart yeah. home hubs. Every single smart home hub, you're like, perfect. You will not need anything else except... Actually, you're going to need this. Can I can I give you my tiny little example of this yes. right now? So we have a new house. So Jen and I, there are lots of back channeling. Oh Jen, yeah, and it's not it's not great. Matter is not ready. Do it's not buy. Not like, look, it's a bad time to buy a house for a lot of reasons. But if you're listening to the show, it's a bad time to buy a house because you're going to want to put smart stuff in it, and the standard is not ready. Yeah, nope. It is just not ready. So you are trapped 
into buying obsolete technology. It is the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to go all in on HomeKit, like whatever. Except here's what HomeKit can't do. You can't tell HomeKit where you live. What? Nope. So you just can't. There's no direct yeah. interface it for being like, my house is here. It just detects it off your phone. And if you set up new routers with new MAC addresses, Apple TV doesn't have a GPS in it. So it just decides where your house is going to be when you set it up as a home. It's like, I've never seen that MAC address before on this router. You probably live in your old house, right? <laughs> just bonkers. And every every smart home thing, like, it's just missing one thing. Yeah. For example, HomeKit missing an address field. Minor detail. <laughs> Minor details. Slow one. Uh, you look at the the Reddit threads of people who are like, HomeKit doesn't know where I live. It's like five <laughs> years deep. Uh, and the workarounds are ridiculous. But it's true. Most things are matter or thread or zig. They're missing one piece of the puzzle. Right. Matter itself just, you know, like when you're like building a new city in SimCity and you're like, oh, I'll just fin- finish that road at some other time. Matter. The, yeah. Yep. It's a good road. It's like a beautiful yeah. four blocks of a road. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, something good's going to happen. <laughs> and you yeah. just stop. And Park that's like car. matter and doorbells. Yeah. It's like, you're just an area of your town labeled that, and you, you, you'll come back around to it later. Yeah. And it sounds like the show eight is going to be a little bit more inclusive. It's going to have, it's going to have the stuff. It'll work. And theoretically, if this generative AI works, yeah. Then, then yeah, we're that one step closer to the Star Trek computer dream, which is kind of how I understand Amazon's dream. Yeah, I mean, that that's Dave's limb stream. Like, he has talked yeah. to us about ambient computing mm-hmm. quite a lot. Yeah. But you weren't able, actually, to try out these generative AI features. Not really. I tried to, I tried it with a Fire TV, and I wasn't allowed to ask questions, which, oh. And it was just super, super guardrail. He clearly had, like, okay, these are the ones I'm going to show you to showcase the stuff, which is fine. I think that's very normal for these kind of situations. The the internet's really crappy, as we saw when, like, Limp had struggles on stage because it seemed like the, oh the Alexa, like, lost connection at one point. And he was just like, I'm just going to stand here awkwardly and See, wait. this is why I prefer live demos to whatever Apple's doing. Oh, yeah. That's, it's, that's like, even that, just hearing that is, like, makes this whole thing It worse. was nice. and But you have to remember, okay, well, you know, this is one of the most challenging networking environments you can have because you have 100 journalists all with, like, cameras and laptops uploading a ton of stuff all at once in one small room. You destroy the internet. Whatever. Yeah. If Taylor Swift can do it for the Eras tour, I don't care. 5G, baby. <laughs> uh, no, I will say the the thing Dave Limp told me is that most of this stuff is not live yet and finished. Mm-hmm. Like the even the folks who buy some of these products early on may not get the full generative AI piece of it. It's all back end stuff, right? Like all the stuff is happening on Amazon's side of things. That's why a lot of this tech is coming to like the original Echo, which obviously doesn't have the hardware to like run LLMs locally, but it doesn't have to because all this stuff is happening in the cloud and just being ported back to you through Alexa. Uh, But it's going to be a pretty slow process for Amazon. Like Alexa is basically this compilation of like thousands of different little things. We think of it as like one character, but it's actually just a million different pipes all kind of coming into the voice. Uh, And they're going to do it, as far as I understand, kind of, bit by bit as it goes before this all becomes sort of fully generative AI. And my understanding is that's going to take a little while. Yeah, it's going to come with the phone. It's going to come with the phone. There is this new eye gaze thing 
Where you can just like look at the displays and control them with your eyes, which is a little terrifying. A little. Amazon seems much more comfortable with the idea of putting cameras and smart. And they had a devices. drone that you could fly around your house for security. Like th- their their concept of security and, and and stuff is way different. Yeah, they're like, what if Robocop was in your home? There's th- like three people in the world who are like, yes. Yeah. And the rest of us are like, mm, no. And they're listening right now. Welcome. Yeah. We, we appreciate you. We love you. Uh, but no, Amazon is very comfortable with the idea that these things should have cameras as well as microphones. I am hard stop at cameras. Yeah. Just no thank you. You don't want a camera owned by someone else in your bedroom at all times? <laughs> no thank you. Shocking. I'm good. But you know when you ask people, would you ever put a camera in your bathroom? They're like, no. And they're like, you know you carry like seven of them in your bathroom yeah. every time. You every your time. <laughs> and there's like, yeah. And then they lie. Fine. And, and they're like, it's in my pocket the whole time. It's yeah. not. Yeah, I I hide it. I wrap it in a little towel like a baby and put it away. <laughs> but wait, Neil, the, the camera thing is really interesting because like I I'm with you on the would not put a camera in like my bedroom. That that's been a non-starter for us for forever. Uh, I we don't even have any cameras in the house. Um, but like you have seven of them in your pocket right now. A, that's what I mean, I'm I have seven. I have one right here. Like you know yeah. what I mean. Uh, we don't have any like smart home camera things. Yeah, but. Then there are questions like, okay, not a camera, but what about like a radar detector that knows when you're getting close and can change the interface so that you can use it? That's not the same, but it's not totally different either. It's like my device being aware of me all the way down to like my device can see precisely what facial expression I'm making. Mm -hmm. Somewhere on that spectrum is where I get uncomfortable and I don't know exactly where it is. But I think, and like Amazon is doing this too. They have these really interesting ideas with things like the the Hub Max, the big new smart home controller about when you're far away, it should show you one thing, right? Like probably status information. It'll look like a thermostat, show you temperature or whatever. As you get closer, it can start to show you more information. And when you get right up to it, it should show you buttons because that's what you're going to do when you're standing right next to it. And to do that, they have to be able to do presence detection. It has to know where who you are and where you are. And full color camera for that, little much for my taste. But like, I still have not figured out where I go from like, this is a useful way to do a useful thing to like, eh, that's a little much. I like that they're they're trying to figure it out because the Echo itself, like the original one, was already kind of invasive and people had to to reconcile that, right? Like, I'm going to have an always-on microphone in my house. That's way more than anybody had had before. Well, that. and the lesson learned was people got used to that really fast, right? Yeah. Like right. Amazon was like, oh, we can just do this because it's fine. And so Amazon is clearly like trying to find, okay, what's we, we have to do this presence detection. We have to do something because you cannot have a super successful smart home without some sort of like surveillance. That's just, you need it. Yeah. And if you want the convenience, you're going to have to give that up. And so they're clearly trying to figure out, okay, where's where's most people's line? Drone that flies around your house, robot that drives around your house and gives you beer, too much. Well, Something. those are different. I would say those are different. The One robot was, was useful. Yeah. The drone is terrifying. Was the robot useful? <laughs> well, I'm saying, well, I mean, it could have been useful, but it wasn't. <laughs> it brings useful. me beer. Right. I think if you, I, I think if you can actually solve the it brings me beer problem. Like, a lot of people will sign up for that at under $1,000. Yeah, that's fair. The, like, there's a drone that looks at stuff. And a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't know, man. Just rob the place. Like, I, I can't be doing this. <laughs> You're welcome to everything. Yeah. Uh, but I'm with I, I, I'm with you, David, that there's, like, some. Yeah, there's that, there's that point. It's fuzzy. Yeah. And it seems like Amazon is trying to find that point by throwing things, by doing, like, the limp strategy, which is like, okay, well, we're just going to release, we can afford to release things, so we're going to release things and see where that line is. 
I think this is the thing that will change on our Panas Panay the most. Yep. Yeah, I think he's going to have more focus. Right, like Amazon is like, we'll put a mic and speakers in it. Alexa, light switch it, whatever. And the idea that the market would settle on an idea, mm-hmm. I think has just not come to fruition. Especially because Alexa hasn't been worth it. Right. Like, I, man, again, I'm, I'm out here trying to buy a thermostat, man. I mean, like, the Ecobee I want is like, it has Alexa in it. I'm like, but I don't want that. You can turn it off. I never used it. But why? Why does it? Why is it even there? I don't want it. I don't know. Like I don't need a microphone in my thermostat, man. <laughs> I'm trying to tell this to you. <laughs> but it, it. then it has whatever. It's, it's just like. But that was the idea. We'll just like put it everywhere. I suspect Panos will bring much more focus to that program. Yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of reporting in Reuters that like morale is low in that team. I think that's to be expected with any gigantic leadership change. But I also think the sort of leadership style is about to go a dramatic change. And if you've been allowed to be like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend tens of million dollars on a drone that flies around your house and then just put it out there and see what happens. Like, I suspect those days are going to come to an end. Yeah. I'm going to be sad about that. I think, Neil, the the truest thing I think about your feeling about Dave Lim's tenure is that the last, like, big capital and new thing Amazon's hardware division launched was that first Echo in 2014. Yeah. No, I, the Echo shows, I think, were an important turn. That's fair. Okay, sure. I'll give you that. But but even that, that's <laughs> that's one and a yeah. half things in what amounts to a decade. And, and everything else has been sort of iterative splinters of the same idea. And I think one thing Panos Pene is very good at is being a fountain of big, new, wacky ideas. Yeah. yeah Fire TV's in there. Actually, Jen wrote about this. And Amazon has weirdly sort of discounted the Fire TV as the centerpiece of its smart home strategy mm-hmm. when it is probably by all, like by most measures the most used Amazon device in most people's lives. Yeah. Like if you have a Fire TV in your house, it is probably the Amazon thing you interact with the most. Yeah. But it's a TV, so like you get it to play whatever you want and you just like move on with your life. Right. And I think there's a gap there that I think is fascinating. And they, they announced a new one, right? Yeah, they announced two. So they announced the – the it's the new Fire TV 4K stick, and it's it's going to be more powerful. It's going to be faster. It should have better Wi-Fi in it. And then there's going to be a new Fire TV Max, and that's going to have a whole like that's going to be more in competition with the Apple TV, which is great because Fire TVs have notoriously stayed far, far, far away from the premium end of things, mm-hmm. which is really annoying if you want to experience it, but you don't want to look at garbage on your TV. And like I paid for Dolby Vision, I want Dolby Vision. Wait, but but Alex, can I tell you the wildest thing about what you just described? What the pr- your your description is exactly right, and the difference between bottom and top is ten dollars. It's ten dollars. Buy the fancy one, people. Like wait for our reviews. We'll probably review them. Please buy the max. There are many smarter people with Verge on on this stuff than I am, but I am here to tell you if you are going to buy one of the new Fire TV sticks, spend the ten dollars. Get the Dolby, get the better features, get the faster speeds. It will last you longer. It will make you happier. It's $10. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand why this other one exists. (laughs) Like Amazon likes to do the thing where they're like, this one costs $5 and this one costs $50. And then I'm like, okay, these these are real things. And then they discount the one really heavily on Prime Day and they'll just like give it to you anytime you put anything in your cart. Like whatever. That's all fine and good. This one is if you're gonna have a fifty dollar one that's fine and a sixty dollar one that's very good, like what are we doing? <laughs> I don't understand. Just, yeah. All right. Lastly, we have to talk about the echo frames and we gotta take a break. We do. Why did they make glasses again? 
So, okay. I can answer this question because I asked Dave Limp this question. Uh, I literally (laughs) pointed at them on the table in front of him in this conference room we were sitting and talking. And I was like, smart glasses? Are these, are these a thing? And he goes, I don't know. So what I can tell you is true <laughs> is that like the last time Amazon had this run of like weird stuff they were going to launch, they did a ring, they did a whole bunch of other stuff, all with the idea of like things you have on you all the time that might connect to Alexa, right? Most of those things didn't find an audience. They're not here. It's not an accident that like the Echo Ring 2 does not exist. The frames, he said, caught on. Uh, they're not huge. They're not earth shatteringly popular. But he said he was like, we have found a bunch of kinds of people who really love this. Uh, outdoorsy people who have always been the target market for this, right? Like you want you want to be able to listen to music and talk to your device without having headphones blocking you from the world. That's useful. Uh, and like Bose is working on this kind of stuff. Meta is working on this kind of stuff. There's like this teeny tiny little but kind of growing smart glasses world that I think is sort of fascinating. Um, but he basically was like, what we thought happened the last time was that they were severely limited by the fact that they didn't look very good. Uh, that we thought there might be more people who were interested in relatively lightweight, relatively simple glasses that let you talk to Alexa and play music, period. Uh, so with this generation, we made them nicer looking. And they are, in fact, much nicer looking. They have a bunch of different styles. They have some different lenses. They did a thing with Carrera that looked so bad when I put them on, but I'm sure we'll look cool on other people's faces. Uh, But they're like, I I get the sense that they're like, okay, this is the good version of this product that some people seem to have caught on to already. Like, let's see if there really is a there there on this one. So I'm fascinated to see how well this thing actually does. I can't wait to make you review these. (laughs) I'm down. I went back and looked at our old review and all of the pictures are Dieter looking very serious, holding one of the stems of the glasses. It's so good. It's good. This is why I'm excited for it. I can't wait. Very serious. Can I get the same outfit too? That's Amazon. There's lots of coverage on the site. If you're into the, there's an Eero Pro Max with Wi-Fi 7, two 10 gig ports and two 2.5 gig ports. It's huge. Do you need that? It's $1,700 for a three pack. (laughs) It's great. I love it. You're going to buy it for sure. Like, you know, there's like, no, we have one gig internet service. Although we could get eight gig optimum service. I just couldn't figure out what for. And now I'm like, oh, it's so I can buy this router. Yeah. It's a horrible way. It's a horrible way to spend (laughs) $1,700 is switching to optimum. No, thank you. No, thank you. But it's great. The Echo Hub Max. Go look on the site. It's all fun stuff to look at. But the real news here is that this is like the end of one line of thinking. Yes which is just utterly fascinating to me. Yeah. And it all happened on the same day. (laughs) It's great. Okay, so we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Microsoft's event, which is on the other end of all this trouble. We'll be right back. Support of The Vergecast comes from Shopify. Whether you're a huge company or a small crafter trying to make a buck off your hobby, selling online is one of the best ways to grow. Shopify is one of the top e-commerce platforms that you can use to get started. But it's not just online. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And you can sell wherever, online or with their in-person point of sale system. You can also sell more with less effort with their AI power tool, Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. You might recognize more brands who already use Shopify, like Rothy's, Brooklinen, Allbirds, and more. Millions of entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries rely on Shopify for their e-commerce needs. Because businesses that grow, 
grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash vergecast. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash vergecast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash vergecast. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, we're back. Should we do the leaks first with Microsoft or should we do the event first? Let's, event and then Yeah, let's do the event and then we'll do the leaks because that's way more interesting and the event will seem like a super bummer if we talk about the leaks first. So Microsoft had a, a Surface event today. Mm. Is that fair to call it a Surface event? Well, not anymore because Panos is gone. Exactly. <laughs> so Panos was like tweeting about this a couple weeks ago. Like, I'm excited to be in New York, do the thing, da-da-da, show off the new Surface. We've all seen these events. Yeah. One of them, he was like, I made the new Surface. I made it for you, Joanna Stern, and like pointed at her. It was great. It's like an all-time great tech yep. event moment. Uh, and she was like, me? And he's like, yes, yeah, you. It was great. Um, he bailed on Monday. Just tweet, I'm out. Yep. And then there was a scramble, and as you said, Bloomberg reported he's going to Amazon. No one's confirming anything. There's a lot of speculation, whatever. So now Microsoft has to like do this event. And they scrambled up some people. Uh, Nadella showed up. Yeah. And what they do? They said, well, it's all about AI now. <laughs> so what happened at this event? They didn't announce the Surface Pro, but we weren't expecting that. They announced a new Surface Studio laptop. It looks cool. But they didn't talk about the plinth. Remember the plinth? Yeah. That was a big part of the last one. The flat part. The flat part. <laughs> plinth. It's a good word. Yeah, it's a good word. More thing, you should you should pull over your car right now and make a list of five things you wish to describe as a plinth. And then go to wherever you're going and just say it yeah. all the time. If Panos had been there, he would have said plinth. Yeah. It, it would have been great. Uh, but they announced a new Surface Laptop Go 3. So that's a nice little upgrade there. And they announced a new Surface Go 4. And I love a Surface Go. That's one of my favorite devices in the world. But it's also one of the most disappointing devices in the world because it's so cute and it's yeah. so small. And then it's so expensive for what it is. Yeah. It's also not meant for regular humans. Like th this is like a business device for business people, right? Didn't they they explicitly pitched it to frontline workers this year? Yeah. yeah. So this year it is not going to be sold to us as normal folks. You're going to have to like go through your ID, right. IT department or something like that. Um, it is still going to be outrageously expensive at $550. It is still going to be out. Yeah, but if you're provisioning UPS. No, but it's overpriced because it's got an Intel N200. <laughs> Brutal. It's just like, y'all, did you try? Uh, Monica got to test it out. 
she was not enthusiastic. It was, it was, it was still, she could see the slow, slowness yeah. of it. She, she and Tom. I love that this is the device you've chosen to focus on so far, Kranz. <laughs> the one device that people can't buy and the worst one by far. And you're like, let's talk about that for a while. That one's my favorite because it's so cute and you're just it like. It is cute. Oh, Everyone loves a cute it. little tablet that sucks. All right. Yeah. We all, we've all done it. We all, everybody, Who everybody, hasn't bought a cute little tablet that sucks? I've got four I'm, fire <laughs> teeth, like fire <laughs> Pads. I've had a Nexus 7, for God's sake. <laughs> okay, that didn't suck. How dare you? <laughs> Remember, they were like, we wrapped it in leather like a motorcycle. And I was like, yeah. I love you. And I was like, hmm. Leather's nice. All right, tell me about the actual laptop studio, too. Does it have a good chip in it? This is always the the crime yeah, the, with so, Surface devices. So this was interesting because it sounds like the, the, the laptop, too, they actually put the real chip in it. They put, uh, they put uh, 13th gen instead of 12th gen, which is like... Microsoft's hallmark. They love to put last-gen stuff yeah. in. And they're like, don't you want to pay the exact same price? No. No one wants to do that. So it was really, really nice that they did that this time. Um, I think the GPU is still an older generation. Of course. I mean, it's always yeah. there's always something. Oh, no. It's a, it's an RTX 4050 or an RTX 4060 GPU. So that's not too bad. Uh, and it's real pretty. The last one was really cool. Like, Yeah. If I was going to get a Windows laptop, I would get this one. Yeah, it's the coolest one. Yeah. Is it really expensive? Do most people need it? Probably not. But is it really, really, really cool? It's a MacBook Pro, right? Like this is this with is, a plinth. This is actually a thing that the Windows ecosystem doesn't have enough of. When you get to really powerful computers, way too many of them tend to either get really big and really heavy or super mm-hmm. gamery. And both of those things are for valid reasons, and there are real markets there. But I think one thing Microsoft correctly sussed out with this line was we need a thing that is very attractive. The The size is about right for what it is and it's powerful and it does like nifty surfacey things like the pull forward screen that it has where yeah. it, it sort of comes off its hinge and you can like drape it over the keyboard is very cool. And if you're a person who uses a surface pen a lot, it's really useful. And it's like, that to me is I'm like, this is how you make the MacBook a touch device, Apple. Like, there it is. Yes. That's the answer. But I feel like I agree that this is not the one for most people, but like this is a good thing that should exist. And it's good that Microsoft finally got it right. I have the first laptop studio here. It's my like go-to Windows machine. And I love it to bits. But anytime you try to do anything like intense on it, it just yeah. kind of falls apart. And I'm kind of, it seems like. Microsoft went after this one. It has more ports. It has better power. Like, it could be a win. If they can get the battery life right, that's going to be the question. Do you think as Panos is walking out the door, he scratched out the previous generation processor and was like, put a good one in it. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just turned the 12 into a 13 and said goodbye, everybody. <laughs> with a surface pen. Peace. He was like, I got I, one more thing. Buy the good one. The most interesting thing about this event by far to me was that it took them 40 out of 60 minutes to even talk about hardware. Uh, Like, this was not a devices event in the way that we're used to. And the same is true of the Amazon event. Like, both of these were events about AI, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Microsoft spent the vast majority of this event talking about Copilot and the idea that you're going to have this AI assistant that works in all of your apps and on your computer and on your phone and understands everything about you and can just sort of stitch your life together in this helpful AI way. And... Part of it was like relaunching products we've heard a bunch about already, which was odd. They like announced a new version of Windows, but only in sort of passing as they were talking about Copilot. Like this was a Copilot event in which they launched hardware 
on which you might do co-pilot things, which I think is fascinating because there was also this Business Insider story, I believe today, Thursday, as we're recording this, about why Panos left Microsoft. And one of the answers was because he was frustrated that in this huge switch to AI, Microsoft was devaluing its hardware because it's building these things that work everywhere and who cares about having like a flagship device. It's very funny that he would then go to Amazon, which just spent a whole event (laughs) doing the exact same thing. But like, clearly that's what Microsoft is doing, right? Like it's every big bet it's making is about AI. Well, it's kind of interesting because this also all came on the same week that there was a whole bunch of leaks about Microsoft. And in those leaks, they were it was some of those leaks were about the strategy for Microsoft. And last year, as soon as last year, they were all sitting there. Satya was saying, we have to have a unified strategy that pushes our hardware, that pushes our software, that does it all together. And for us, it's going to be hybrid cloud computing. And so it was this whole thing about game computing and how you were going to be able to, like, do some of the processing on the computer and some of it in the cloud. And that was the whole thing. And it seems like AI kind of, like, has pushed that to the side. And they're like, oh, we now have a new unified vision, and it's AI. And then Panos leaves, and now it's like, okay, but the hardware, what's happening with the hardware? Yeah. There's no – like I said, it would be better if they switched places. Yeah. But no one is in charge of hardware. I mean, we have a memo, and it's like some people, but they're shuffling new people into it. Dave Limp coming in to be the co-pilot guy actually makes a certain amount of sense, given what he's been up to at Amazon all these years. Just drive your cars in different direction, guys. (laughs) Wave. Just like high five on the highway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about this co-pilot stuff, because there's quite a bit of it. But like David said, a lot of it's been announced already. Yeah. So Windows co-pilot seems like a big idea, like the computer will use your computer for you, but it also seems fairly limited. I think it's a terrifying idea. I was talking with Tom about it before we came to record the Vergecast. And we were both like, yeah, Copilot seems really cool, but how are you going to trust this AI that we don't know is finished with your spreadsheets for your Fortune 500 company? Yeah, you shouldn't do that. Don't do that. And and so I, I really am kind of worried that their their ambition to show that they are the kings of AI and they're hip and cool now and they beat Google is going to shoot them in the foot if they piss off all of... Well, I think it's important. Again, Google Antitrust trial is going on. Yeah. The punching bag in this trial is big, at least in secret. Yep. Somewhere in secret, <laughs> the United States roast. government is just punching Bing in the face. And we don't know about it, but we know it's happening. We can detect that Bing is being punched in the face, but we can't actually Wait, see it. Did you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> just got punched. Um, but what is true is that Microsoft launched all this stuff with Bing. They made all this noise front page article in the New York Times, and Bing has gained zero market share. Yep. At least as far as anyone can tell. It hasn't gained zero, but it's gone from no one cares to no one cares. (laughs) (laughs) But now horny. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty weird in that room. Uh, (laughs) No one goes into. Uh It's like that car on the subway, you know? Just don't don't Mm. go in that one. Don't go in that one. But, like, that's the answer, right? It's like this stuff isn't working, so Microsoft's putting it in more and more places in the hopes that it will work. But the turn that is really interesting for me is in Windows, where you're like, change my display resolution, and it will just do it. Yeah. I, that's like a meaningful – the last digital assistant that attempted to do this was Bixby. But on Windows, where it is pretty Byzantine, mm-hmm. I think that might actually make a big difference in how people use Windows. I mean, Windows menus are garbage. And remember how for the longest time they all still had like Windows 7 UI even though they're like, we have this new thing, and it's great, except for all of these really important menus you have to use if you're testing laptops every day, Alex Kranz. Uh, that was just for me. But, yeah, I, 
I just get so nervous about how fast they're moving on AI at Microsoft. Like, I just spend a lot of time thinking about this seems like a bad idea. It seems like you're going way too fast, and this is going to bite you in the ass. Because you, they haven't had the ability to test this as extensively as they'd like. And that's why we're seeing, like, that's why Amazon is going kind of slow here. Even though Amazon did this big announcement and showed all this stuff, they're still going slow. And Microsoft is, like, full steam ahead on releasing this and bringing this stuff to market and putting this in everybody's hands. And it does need to be in hands, right? Like, it needs to be tested. But is the best place to test it the, the install base for all of the companies that currently pay you lots of money to use your software? I don't think that's the best. Well, you have to pay $30 a seat to use it in an office. Yeah. So I, I think that pricing is a bit of a test. I also think it's a bit of a barrier. It will keep a lot of people out. But the only person who should be using AI in Excel at your company is the person who is best at Excel right, right at this moment to yeah. just let you know what it can and can't do. Well, and, and that's actually – that's a pretty good example, right? And Because I think what Microsoft would say and I think did say at a at a panel they did after their event today was basically like don't – trust this thing to do something you can't do yourself. Yes. Just trust it to help you, right? And I think that is the right, like having the Excel expert say, okay, here's this menial thing I do a hundred times a day. Can the AI do it for me? Is actually a pretty useful and like instructive test. But for me to just go in and be like, hey, co-pilot, we making money or what? Is like, that's a bad <laughs> idea. We shouldn't do that. You should do that all the time. <laughs> I'll pay thirty dollars to see for you to do that. <laughs> How's the money, co-pilot? Uh, and and I think we're in this place now where with so much AI, it's like if you want to do dumb stuff, it's gonna go poorly for you. And people will do dumb stuff, and it's gonna go poorly for them. And I think there are really interesting questions to be asked about whether we should be protected from that as people. It's like it's the the self-driving stuff, right? Like if you have a thing that's called a self-driving car, people are going to do they're going to fall asleep and have sex in the back seat and that is not what they should be doing, but they're going to do it. <laughs> and so what's your responsibility as the one making that? Is a really interesting question. But I think at some point if I'm Microsoft, you just have to like throw it out there and do your best. And I think the way they're pitching it is really interesting because it's like it's not a tool for doing spectacular business calculations. It's like a way to play a Spotify playlist, right? It's like yeah. doing the things that are easy and, and tractable and you know how to do, but take 12 clicks. You can just do it with a command now. And that's the kind of stuff that this stuff is generally pretty good at. But then like, I think Microsoft has been trying to do this with Bing all year too, is figure out how to put a ceiling on that where it's like, okay, we want you to be able to do this stuff without doing all the dumb shit we know people are going to do as soon as they're allowed to. And I don't think anybody has figured out that answer yet. I don't think there there is an answer to that. Like, people don't like it when you say, oh, you have all of this access to technology, you only get this little bit. Right. Yeah. No well, one Bard likes did, that. And it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hate it. Yeah. So uh, Someone told me that um, LLMs are uniquely good at teaching you how to make chemical weapons because there's so much information about building chemical weapons on the way that they've just learned it all. And like now we're at the point where like you shouldn't let them do that. Mm -hmm. No. But like now it's just built into the sidebar of Windows. <laughs> now you just do it. Well, not yet. Not yet. It's coming September 26th. All right. So that's that was this Microsoft event. Copilot everywhere, basically. Mm -hmm. A little bit of new hardware. Then there's the other Microsoft event. The big event. The one that you weren't supposed to see, which is and I want to be very clear about this because there is some narrative out there. The FTC leaked Microsoft documents. That is 
absolutely not what happened. Mm -hmm. So FTC versus Microsoft happens. Lots and lots of documents are getting uploaded. We can see them all in the docket. The court clarifies Microsoft was asked to do some stuff, failed to redact these documents, just published them for everyone to see. So Microsoft just like screwed up in a massive way here. I mean, I'm not complaining. No one's complaining. But the leaks are out of control. There's a new Xbox Series X, another new Xbox, a new controller, Phil Spencer idly wanting to buy Nintendo. Where to begin? <laughs> the controller. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Alex. The controller is cool. Yes. Right? It's got the haptics like the PS5 controller, so it, it'll feel like more real when you do stuff. I don't know if, if all of our listeners have a PS5. Buy one. It's a lot easier now. You can spend that $500. But the haptics feel really cool in it. And this is supposed to have that. It's supposed to be kind of like Stadia where it's got like those haptics also double as like volume. It's like if you're getting shot or at or something, you'll still feel it and hear it. That's just cool. Like, I don't know. It's just a neat controller. It's going to have replaceable joysticks out of the box. Right now you have to spend like, what, $250 for a Microsoft Elite controller or one of the, something from Scuff or something. And you won't have to do that. It'll just be there. And if you want to replace the joysticks because you, like, dig in and kind of distort them because you play too hard, I don't know anybody who does that. But if you do, you'll be able to replace it. That's neat. Yeah. It's a cool controller. And also... I think the the vision behind it is super rad, which is basically like Microsoft is in this place now where they want you to be able to play all of your games all of the places, right? Like it's mm -hmm. cloud gaming is is a huge part of this. There was a leak in here that Microsoft is planning to stream PC games through cloud gaming. And uh, there's this line in the uh, roadmap document that came out that says, controller becomes the hero. The new Xbox controller is the only thing you need to play on every device. And the idea yeah. is that the controller connects to Wi-Fi itself or to your console or over Bluetooth. And so it becomes the console in a super real way. And all you need is a screen and a controller and suddenly you're up and running. It's a very like Stadia vision of the world. And I think that was the single smartest thing about Stadia that ever existed. And I think this idea of like the controller being the thing and you can play anywhere as long as you have the controller is so cool. And I really hope it becomes real. I really, I like, that's the thing that I really hope this AI stuff that Microsoft is focused on doesn't distract that much from the cloud gaming things that they're doing because it's so cool. So in these leaks over and over again, Microsoft is like, the Xbox is our play for the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. They're not shy about it. Yeah. Phil Spencer is like, this is the thing that we do for the consumer. And like Nadella is like, this is the thing we do for a consumer. And also it all runs on Azure. So just like keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> just that's where the money is, Phil. <laughs> Don't get too ahead of yourself. So that's a controller. Tell me about these consoles. Disc free. Like that's a big deal, I guess, for the Xbox Series X because yeah. the original one had the disc player, separates it from a lot of the other stuff, including PlayStation most people don't actually need or want the disc player. Like, yeah. it's great if you want to watch movies. I have a digital PS5 and just never comes up. <laughs> yeah. Most people just go, and it, it, more storage, which is crucial. I think it's going from one terabyte to two terabytes. Uh, theoretically, obviously this is leaked. It could totally change before it comes to market, if it comes to market. But, yeah, and it sounds like there's another Microsoft Elite controller in the works, which... I'm really curious to see how it's going to build on on this this leaked cloud gaming controller. Like, just seems cool as hell. It does. There's also apparently an Xbox that has been planned for 2028. And we should say, by the way, that these are all older documents that 
mm-hmm. may or may not exist in the current reality. Like yeah. a lot of stuff people were planning a couple of years ago when like Bitcoin was a billion dollars and money was free and everything <laughs> was fantastic. Like the vibes are very different now and people have made very And we've plans. seen some of the stuff right. already canceled. Like By the, the way, in the grand scheme of leaks, the best leak to get is the email about the leaks that leaks. Yes. So Phil Spencer emailed the Xbox team. Tom got it. Yeah. You know. yeah. Uh, and Phil says to the Xbox team, I know this is disappointing, even if many of the documents are over a year old and our plans have evolved. Right. But let me just say, so the, the one other Xbox that was... Yeah. Uh, now back to the real now, stuff. But, who cares? <laughs> Whatever. Let's assume all of this is real because I want yeah. most of it to be because it seems very cool. Uh, there's this plan for a whole new, it seems, generation of consoles in 2028 that is basically, uh, I think they call it a hybrid gaming platform. Yeah, yeah. This was what we were talking about earlier in the show. They want to basically have it so the really big processing, the really hard stuff happens in the cloud. And then we do some of the other stuff smaller locally. And we've heard this talked about before. Sean's written about it. I definitely have said on this show it's stupid and will never happen. <laughs> I guess I'm wrong. Um, that's totally fine. And it, it's it's a really compelling idea if they can make it work. But it's going to require like a bunch – like they talk about this in their roadmap and, and in the story that Sean wrote about this that it is a really complex issue. There's a lot of like silicon stuff that they have to do, a lot of processor stuff they have to figure out that will make it really, really tricky. But if it works, then you can have like the really expensive quality of a PC, like, you know, those $3,000 PC rigs that people do, 4K, gorgeous, everything turned to ultra. You could have that on an Xbox, which is currently totally incapable of that. And you could have it at that Xbox price. And that's that would be very compelling for a lot of people. Or even further down. I mean, there's a there's a line in one of those documents that says, they want to sell something for under $99 as like a handheld device. And if anyone ever gets this right, it basically means anything with a screen becomes a powerful gaming system. And if you have more local power, it'll do more locally. And so you'll get a slightly better experience. If you have less power, it'll do more in the cloud. So you'll have a slightly worse experience, but still get functionally the same thing. And if we get to the, like, holy God, is that a hard technical thing to do for so, so, so many reasons. But if we get there, that kicks ass. Like, that is the yeah. future of how we use computers that I would very much like to live in. I mean, it's it's essentially the, like, Kindle-ling of, of Xbox, where... <laughs> you can play games on your Kindle. <laughs> where it's like, we got Anything it. with the screen, bro. <laughs> We're just trying to get you some hardware so that you can actually go do what we want you to do, which is buy a lot of games spend money in our marketplaces. That's like that's always been the big get for Sony and for Microsoft. And moving into that cloud gaming would really like making cloud gaming actually succeed in this fashion would do that. Cause okay, I spend a hundred bucks and I get the exact same like a very similar experience to my friend who spent five hundred bucks or my friend who spent yeah. three thousand and built it all himself. Like just makes things a lot more equitable. So what's funny about all of this there's all this happening. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 Microsoft's running ahead with these plans. Contextually, right now, mm-hmm. Apple's like, the phone is the best game console ever made. iPhone sure. 15 Pro is best, right? And they're all local all the time. And Microsoft can never put a cloud gaming service on the iPhone for like a billion different reasons. Through the web browser. Through, through the web browser. Fine. Go through Safari. That's like one pressure on this. Yeah. Then the other pressure is that Nintendo exists. Mm. And Nintendo's relationship with the internet is sh- shaky. Nintendo knows the internet. It acknowledges exists. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, it knows it exists. Does it want to use it? No. It took so long to get to cloud gaming. I think it was like last year, the year before that, before it was finally like, you can save things on the cloud and use it on your I'm just saying, look at the structure of the game industry right now. The structure of the uh, games on the iPhone. Yeah. All Candy Crush, free-to-plays, DLCs, the whole thing. Nintendo, biggest game of the century in Tears of the Kingdom, announces it will not have a DLC because it is complete. And just an incredible, like... Beautiful. The flex that that is is so, so powerful. Like, what right. more do like, you want? We don't need to make more money off this guy. The last no, line was no like, one keep exploring Hyrule. It's like, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nintendo. <laughs> it's like, you haven't found it. But it's like, just incredible, weird competitive pressures, right? Yeah. That are nothing to do with this, like, hybrid future of computing idea. One, Apple's like, it's all local, and you, no, no thank you, sir. And Nintendo's like, what? What is internet? <laughs> Please continue exploring Hyrule. <laughs> on our console that has, like, the processing power of, like, a mid-range HTC phone from 2011. Like, <laughs> whatever, you know? So then, in just in, I'm putting that in context to tell you about this email from Phil Spencer where he's like, buying Nintendo would be a career moment. He says, I totally agree that Nintendo is the, capital V, prime asset for us in gaming, and today gaming is our most likely path to consumer rev- relevance. I've had numerous conversations with the, what we think is LT. I've had numerous conversations with the leadership team of Nintendo about tighter collaboration and feel like if any U.S. company would have a chance with Nintendo, we are probably in the best position. The unfortunate situation, or fortunate for Nintendo, he says in parentheses, is that they're sitting on a big pile of cash and they have a board of directors that until recently has not pushed for further increases in <laughs> or stock appreciation. The problem with Nintendo is that Nintendo's good. Yeah, yeah. they're like, Nintendo has a bunch of money and the people who run it are like pretty happy with it. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> good luck. It's the most like ruthless capitalist VC funded thing I've ever heard in my life. They're like, yeah. how, you you don't want my money? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. yeah, it's like your board of directors. Is, so then he's like, this guy's been buying up shares. And hopefully he'll do it. And he's like, we've shown the full write-up on Nintendo and Valve, interestingly, to the Microsoft board of directors, and they're fully supportive of SMI. But it's just like all this stuff, all this technology stuff, just sort of falls down in the face of, well, the biggest platform on Earth and and mobile, they can't do the thing with. And then the best game platform, it's just like, whatever. I mean... (laughs) Like, focus on the games. That's why they've been pretty actively on Epic's side for every single one of these Google and, and Apple VF. By the way, trials. when I say the best game, don't come for me. I'm quoting Phil Spencer <laughs> saying Nintendo is the prime asset for us in gaming today. That's what the head of Xbox thinks yep. about Nintendo, not me. I play Madden and I quit playing Zelda right when I got to Canon because <laughs> I didn't want to grind for shit so I could beat him, like, which apparently enough. is like extraordinarily common in this game. I think that's most people. Yeah. I only did it in like, it was like late at night one day and I went, okay, I'm just going to do it. Why not? Let's just go. I was like, look, I have a job. All right. (laughs) I don't, I'm not going to go look for fruit to kill this guy. (laughs) Like whatever. You just know that I could, Gannon. (laughs) And I (laughs) shut down my switch and I walked away. (laughs) Never touched it again. Uh, but I just think that's a weird position for this, especially because they're the third place console. I don't necessarily think it's a weird position because I think they, they are really like, they have a strategy to deal with Apple and their strategy is to say, Epic, fix it. And, and they've, they've put a lot of effort into that, right? Like, like they've, they've been on Epic's side 
for the majority of both of these trials saying, no, no, they're right because they need cloud gaming to appear on these platforms. And they have their workaround now with with streaming and stuff like that. And Apple's doing its whole gaming thing. But Apple's gaming thing, as much as it says it's where gaming happens, game developers have oh, no. different we are feelings. Start, we're starting to get the yeah, emails from the iPhone gamers. Yeah. They're, 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 they're there. They're starting to come in. They're there. Yeah. And you guys exist. And I love you. But, like, you're not, like... Wow. Wa- yeah, yeah. Watch it. You're, you're, you're different. <laughs> We got to take a break. Yeah, we got to take gonna a break. We're going to come back and talk about YouTube and do a little lightning Send all of, all of your feelings about that to Neelai. No, thank you. Neelai Patel at the Look, here's what I know. You can talk about Android gamers all you want because they don't exist. <laughs> you mentioned that it's silly that Apple thinks the word pro I, means mobile gaming and the emails come. And I know you guys, you, you can use the controller and you can play it. And I, I think that's great. I want to use my phone for phone stuff. I don't want to use it for game stuff. That's why I've got a Switch. And 40,000 other consoles. Get with the program. I just would oh like God. it on the record that everything Alex just said is wrong, and I do not agree yeah. with it, and I would not like to be associated with the emails that you're going to send. Come at me. You're all incorrect. I have a family. We're taking a break. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles, and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. Should we do this YouTube thing very quickly and then do a lightning round? Yeah, we can do it fast. Yeah. So YouTube had an event today made on YouTube, a bunch of influencers. Told Charlie Puth was there. Mm-hmm. Mia, who went, told me that photos and videos were not allowed, and then Charlie Puth came out, and all decorum went to the <laughs> woods. And people were just like, I'm doing it. Nah. And he was like, what about a song that went like this? Like, he did the thing. Uh, Charlie Puth, it's great. Um, nature's original creator. Um <laughs> That's the column, right? I've been trying to profile Charlie Puth for like four years. Charlie, if you're listening, get at me. Let's do this. Yeah. We're in for it. 
Our people will obey the no photos and videos rule. Or will they? <laughs> See, every pitch needs a little danger in it. All right. Uh, so they announced a bunch of AI stuff, big theme of all these events, yep. AI stuff. So yeah, this is Google's turn, right, with YouTube. Mm-hmm. So Dream Screen, which lets you create a background for shorts, generative AI. They showed a bunch of silly stuff. Mia asked a bunch of questions about what the guardrails on that would be. For example, what if you ask it to generate a background for a YouTube short that violates YouTube's policies? I just thought of four. It's not hard. For example, what if you would like a, say, a Dukes of Hazard themed background for a YouTube short? I went in a different direction, but yeah. Yeah. It's just like that's a – even that's just a challenging question for a million horrible reasons. So many. Uh, but so it goes. Uh, so YouTube has to figure that out. They said it won't do any of that stuff, but we'll see. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Uh, David, you were quite taken with DreamScreen. I think it's really interesting. I think this question of how do you give creators tools to use generative AI without giving them tools to make so much awful generated crap that it ruins your platform is like the question of the internet <laughs> right now. Yeah. And it's one we've <laughs> talked about a lot. And I think... YouTube is way behind on giving its creators native tools to make things. And this is a way to get into that. I just think is really interesting. And like starting with backgrounds is clever, but there's also a thing where the AI tools in the YouTube studio will start to generate topic ideas for creators that it says are personalized to the things that those creators are doing that already work. So like, I have a thousand things I hate about that, but I think it's fascinating. And we're in this place now where like everybody is trying to like relentlessly game the algorithm to be successful on YouTube. And now the algorithm is just going to tell you what to do. Yes. This is the thing. This is the most incredible announcement of the entire thing. And it was buried, right? They did dream screen. They did the new editor on mobile, which is basically CapCut. It's called YouTube create. The only thing to say about that is it's bonkers that that didn't exist a decade ago. They did. They had a thing, YouTube Capture or whatever it was called. It was just really bad yeah. and doesn't count, right? Yeah. Uh, it is nuts, by the way, that YouTube is the platform it is. And basically Final Cut Pro and iMovie and Adobe Premiere yeah. are the native crea- creation tools for YouTube. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's pre- it predates phones being like the primary computing device for people. Yeah, but we've been doing this a while now. But sorry, Neil, I, I derailed you. What were you about to say? So this thing, this automated AI insights thing. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with it. It's hard, it, we, it, They buried it, right? It's not like the big flashy consumer feature. But basically, if I'm getting it right, YouTube is going to look at a creator's analytics. They're going to say, here's what's working well for you. Then they're going to look at everyone else's analytics and say, hey, inside of your library of stuff, you should make more stuff like this because it performs better for all the other people. Which is, right, there's a universe in which creators could hire analytics people. You, you can get there. Right, and like big media companies have analytics people that do this stuff. But then there's just the robot telling people, make this stuff to get views. Well, and I mean, we, we've been through this in so many sort of specific instances, right? Like the the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial was one where all kinds of people just started doing that because it was obvious that's how you get views. This robot is just going to tell everybody to make Mr. Beast videos. Like that's yeah. just we, what we, it's going to be. What but- we think. We don't know. Will it be mouth open or closed on the thumbnail? <laughs> Unbelievable question. If Mr. Beast isn't getting a cut of this for being the one like training at the best with the best stuff, it's a real <laughs> shame. But no, I think you're right. And I think this question of uh, whether YouTube can build a system that is like creative and personalized and helpful, or if it's just going to 
tell people to do more of what's already working everywhere on YouTube until everybody is doing the same thing with the same generative AI tools and the same music library that looks the same, like, unclear. Kind of feels like it's going to be that, given our extensive history with well, no. every other Two push things. in social media One, based on algorithms. Uh, time remains undefeated. Okay. And people get older. It's true. These kids. I hate it, but true. Day. Yeah. And people get bored. And so, you know, I am a firm believer that data can only tell you about the past. This is like what I believe in my heart. If, if we followed our own analytics, we would only cover the iPhone. Yes. That's all we would do. It is the, it is, We're not doing that. I know, I know you're mad at me for saying it. The end of this forecast has gotten real spiky. But I promise you, if I just did what people clicked on, we would write about the iPhone 5 fine woven case 500 times a day and Elon Musk for the rest of our lives. Yep. And we, we don't do it because we're bored. We don't want to do it. We yeah. think, you know, like There's a thing here that we do where we like decide what we're going to do. But if you're fully analytics-driven, you just that's a narrowing, right? It's just the, the aperture of your interest just falls down, and eventually you just make one thing. Yeah. And I think most YouTubers are people, and they have that like instinct where they like push against it. But then there's a lot of people who are there to just make money. Yeah, I was about to like my, my, my big concern here is the people who want to make money tend to be really good at it. And they tend to dominate the algorithm. And then what we saw with Facebook, what we saw with even Google SEO is over and over and over again. The thing that rises to the top isn't the quality stuff. Yeah. It's the algorithm. But that's the thing, like David said at the very beginning, this is the thing that kills your platform. Like the dream screen generative AI background is not the thing that kills YouTube. The AI powered analytics that flattens all of YouTube into people just fighting for the same kinds of attention. Well, on the other end is like people as an audience. And if you only get one kind of thing from the platform, eventually the audience gets bored too. Yeah. And I don't I don't know that YouTube has contended with that cycle or – which I think is a fair approach for YouTube. They're just like, it'll be fine because there's enough people who want to be YouTubers. Well, and, and the, the optimistic take on this for YouTube would be that YouTube is not just one thing, right? Like you, you can be a guy who stands in front of your furnace and tells people how to use it and like make a career out of being a YouTuber. And to that person – if this tool is any good, it's going to suggest new ways to make videos about furnaces, right? But it's like, yeah. if if we get to the point where every creator on YouTube is just being told to like go live stream Taylor Swift's Eras Tour because that's how you make money on YouTube at this moment in time, we're host. And it's a perfectly plausible reality that that's where we land. Do you yeah. think they start to change the surfacing though for for like what you actually see? Like, will it be harder to find the guy who does the furnace videos? Well, no, because that's search. You know, and like, I don't know. I just think that this thing, mm-hmm. like these recommendation algorithms, these these metrics drive the dynamics of the platform more than anyone ever really wants to admit. And so here the platform is going to start interpreting the metrics for you. And that's like some crazy shit's about to happen. <laughs> I, I, like, I, it's exciting in one way. It's also just like, I hope you're ready for it, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right, let's do a really fast lightning round, and then we got to – we got to get out of the studio. Yeah, there's like 40 right. more tech events to go to. Yeah, yeah. we're busy. Um, my lightning round is I'm going to selfishly say, go read my blog I wrote about how the future of cable bundling is here, which is a David headline, by the way. It's pretty good. Beautiful David Happy headline. Oh, and it, it's so here. By the way, uh, we are hearing rumors that the strikes might be over soon. We are. The, so we'll yeah, see. they were saying as soon as today, but it is now, we're recording, it's about 4 p.m., we haven't heard anything. We'll see. All right, David, what's yours? Mine is uh, the Google Bard chatbot 
can now integrate with your Gmail and Docs and Google Drive and actually like go find information for you in your other apps. And you look at that and it's like, oh, scary privacy stuff. It's like, my guys, it's all Google. They all have it anyway. Don't yeah, worry yeah. about it. And genuinely, I have found it's totally useless in some ways. But in in the thing where you're like, I have an email about a thing. I don't really remember. But can you find that email for me? It is like surprisingly good as a resource to just dig through all my crap and find that one thing I was looking for. So this is the time where I'm like, okay, this is like a, a digital assistant that we're actually making into something. It's still barred, so it's still not very good, but it's this was like the first step forward I've seen for barred where I'm like, all right, there's there's something here. All right. I've done enough big thinky things on this episode. Um my lightning round is that I'm sitting here holding a iPhone 15 Pro in a fine loving case. <laughs> And my initials are fully scratched into the back of this case. I can see them. And it's not great. It's as bad as advertised? Really? It's as bad Ugh. as advertised. I mean, it's, it's fine, but it's not great. It's fine I want to see you eat fried chicken and then pick it up. No, thank you. It's all I want. All right. That's it. That's the broadcast. We, it's, it's September continues. Next week, we're at the Code Conference. We'll have links. Lots of coverage. Lots of stuff is, continues to go down here in the craziest September of my career as a tech journalist. That's it. We got to go. Rock and roll. And that's a wrap for VergeCast this week. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at vergecast at theverge.com. The VergeCast is a production of The Verge and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters. That's it. We'll see you next week. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.